Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, beloved, welcome to another amazing chapter of the Book of Sean. I'm glad you tune in tonight. We got a show for you tonight, people. My sister is here, Natalie Nicole. And when you meet here, you're gonna fall in love with her. She's absolutely amazing. She's charming, she's brilliant, and she has a story, a journey. Because you do know that you can be charming and brilliant and accomplished and still have a story. Because all of us, no matter who we are, where we come from, we've all climbed up out of the mud having to deal with the darkness and the bruisings and the things that people say about us, that in some respects and in many respects, we're still, still trying to overcome. Yeah. My sister's going to take us into that journey. We're going to stand with her on sacred ground. We're going to listen to her heart, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that when she leaves here, she feels a bit better. Not just about herself, but about her world, her future and maybe even her past. I'm trying to tell you, you picked the right night to join. <laughs> so the scriptures say you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. We like to love our neighbor, but remember it says, as you love yourself. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the show tonight. My sister, Natalie Nicole. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you with your pretty self? Thank you so much. I feel honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored equally uh, to have you. And I'm excited about the opportunity that you give us to have a conversation that a lot of people need to have. Because one of the things I know for sure is that people looking at you tonight are going to be surprised about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> That's why as soon as I saw you, I thought, Nobody's going to believe what this topic is about. Nobody. But the reality is someone can be Natalie Nicole and yeah. still have to deal with the subject that we're going to talk about tonight. So let's talk about it. So we all struggle with, with loving ourselves. We all struggle with affirming ourselves and celebrating ourselves. Tell me what your journey has been like with that. Well, my journey has been quite interesting because... As I grew up in a predominantly Jewish environment in Montgomery County in Silver Spring, Maryland, I dealt with a lot of just confidence challenges and really mm. loving myself, you know, 100%. Mm. Being a dark-skinned girl with big eyes and a big smile, and they used to say my nose was like a white person. I mean, they say a lot of different things to me. Mm. I didn't know that I was beautiful. Mm. So it's my mom and dad telling me that you're so beautiful because my mom would do my hair in these braids and I'll take it all out. My hair is really curly. And I'm like, I want to look like them, but it did not look like that because their hair was straight, you know? Mm. So that's where the journey begun. So as I evolved, um, I've always been pretty curvy for a very long time. My mom is Trinidadian, my dad's American. And that's just my gene. That's just what it is. Mm. And I had to that I'm not a slim girl. So that was mm. another thing I had to deal with. So body shaming um, was a thing for, from a very young girl. I remember when, you know, the boys will pass this little paper around and they'll rate all the girls, like face, body, personality, you know? And I used to always see like, oh, Natalie has a big butt, right? And I'm like, dang. You know, so when you were younger, you're like, I don't want to have that. You don't want that, Right. So that's where it really began to me just learning how to love myself. Mm. And we like skyrocket a little bit right into like high school. Um, I just made a decision, a conscious decision that I like I'm worthy and I'm confident. Yeah. I am. 
I have what it takes. Um, I joined a leadership training institute. My dad and mom put me in that program and I learned how to be a leader. That's yeah. what it was. At that but, but Natalie, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to rush to the crown. I want to stay on okay, the cross yeah. a little while longer. Stay there. <laughs> and, he, and here's why. Because there are a lot of people tonight watching who are on the cross. And, and so this part of the story is germane to them. Um, right. Tell me what you heard most consistently in those early moments of your life that seemed to have the most impact and do the most damage. So even though I was going to go into that part, and I love that you said that because I think a lot of times trauma is real. There's different types mm. of trauma, right? So going into college, I still had this same issue because mm. it's, 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 yeah, it's real. It gets mm. real because Mind you, I speak pretty proper overall. That's went to school in Montgomery County. And I've always had to fight to prove myself for, from a very young girl. Like, okay, I'm black enough or, you know, I'm pretty enough or I'm smart enough. And the reality for me was I've never been a scholar. So that was another issue at hand because my mom and dad got a divorce when I was in third grade. And I was very rebellious, you know, emotionally rebellious. So there was a lot of added layers to my reality as I was evolving as a young girl. So in that space of being a black one, a black girl um, with curly hair, that's nice looking, like the teacher will always say, like pretty girl, all that stuff. But I was categorized as pretty for dark skin girl, not mm. pretty girl. You get what I'm saying? Yes, yes. There was a conflict for me of like, what is beautiful mean? What does pretty mean? Like, what does it mean to, you know, be a, a, a woman of value? And I had to fight and learn that. So and the and reason hold, why hold on, hold on. So, so when, when you were growing up, and then I think this is important, when you were growing yeah. up in your formative years, did you, I'm not talking about your mom and dad, because I know they, they affirmed you and celebrated you. So yeah. outside of your house, did you ever feel beautiful as a little girl? I so I always would have my little girl pictures. I did because everyone told me I was beautiful. So at church they told me I was beautiful, right? But at church they told me I was beautiful. And did school, you believe it? Did you believe it? It was a conflict because I can believe when you're young, mm. it's a conflict, right? But this conflict in myself. My parents are divorced. It's a conflict. It's mm. like my mom is going through financial challenges, but we I go to a, a, one of the top, you know, schools in Montgomery County. It was, it was a conflict for me of like the reality of what I was really living. So yes, I've always was affirmed. Like my teachers affirmed me. A lot of the girls loved me. They always was following me and they wanted to like do the things I was doing, but there was still a conflict in my head of me being enough and me feeling mm. beautiful and me being um, worth it, you know? Mm. So it, it, that has went into college because when I went to college, then again, I'm not black enough because I didn't go to a school in the hood or I didn't like grow up knowing all the black anthems and stuff like that. Because when you go to a Jew, a primarily Jewish school, they don't teach you that. They're gonna teach you Har Harriet Tubman, you know, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King to join the truth. You won't. That's you gonna be stuck right there. Well, listen. Right? Hold on. First of all, I'm surprised they taught you about Malcolm. So let's. <laughs> it was. It was a very like like you know when they say pick a, a you know historic black person, somebody would choose that person, but it wasn't really like hone in. This. No, is I, got it, I got. It. I'm, I got. I was just making a no, no, that, no, statement. That's so, that's so true though. But but, but I, I think I, I think what's interesting about what I'm hearing from you is how we can hear things over and over and over again yeah from two sides of our lives and when you hear one side telling you that you're beautiful and worthy and all of that and another side telling you but your dark skin and your nose is this and your eyes are this and you're not this some kind of way you have to form yourself in the middle. You have to try to become who you are in the middle. And I'm wondering, what does that do, not now, but, but then, what does that do to your self-esteem? Well, I think I'm, oh, I think as a woman in the world of social media, um, fame and the different, uh, even me being 35 years old, we'll get there, I know, with no children yet. I think that I was always, always stereotyped. 
right? I'm, I'm stereotyped now. So when I got into college, you know, the, the thought of most people that saw me go to college, they thought I was going to just have a baby or like meet some guy. You, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So well, I'll fall short because when I got to college, that's when a lot changed for me. So I got to college and then it was like, it was candy land, honestly, because my mom, I grew up in a Christian household. So I always knew right from wrong, but I had this really up uh, this other re- rebellious side to me because my parents were so, so protective. And I was just like, you guys not let me breathe. I just don't understand. So when I got to college, when I was 17 years old, I started dating people, uh, drug dealers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just be 1,000. I started dating drug dealers. So, and I've always been ambitious. So I thought that I said, okay, well, the guys in college liked me. They really liked me a lot. And I wasn't really into them because I didn't feel like they were savvy enough. So here I am doing the same thing I was given when I was younger to the guys in college. Right. And then being attracted to the wrong type of person. So that was a very long journey for me because, again, I was like, a hold, on, hold, hold on, hold on, because this this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it was about them that made you attracted to them? So one, let's go back a little bit. Like my mom made six figures. My sister was in college, but I grew up in a very like low, it was not going to make sense to most people, but I grew up in a very low income home, meaning that she had more month than money. Right. Mm -hmm. So my dad at the time, he was figuring himself out. He was living in LA and it was hard. Although my grandma's, stepped in majority of the kids in my school family was making over a quarter million dollars a year and I, and we was living at my grandmother's house I didn't have a bed of my own like I literally did not have a bed since I was in sixth grade mm. I didn't have my own room since I was in second grade maybe so I didn't have my own room since second grade so I got Till like I moved out of the dorm when I was like 19 years old about, right? So there was a certain level of financial trauma that was planted in my head when I was younger. And that was survival. That was like, I don't ever want, I love my grandmother. She's still living. Thank you, Lord. But I never wanted to go back to my grandma's house. So because I never want to go back to my grandma's house, it was survival of the fittest for me in college. Everybody in college was like, bro, you know, like they were just struggling and like sharing stuff. And I was like, oh, this is too close to familiar right now. Mm-hmm. I got to get some jobs, you know. So I went ahead and got like three jobs in college, my first um, year in college. And that's when I started meeting people off campus. I started modeling. I started getting promo gigs. And that's when I met my first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And tell me what it was about that kind of man that drew you. So, okay, so I missed part of the story. I went to Howard because the guy I went to prom with, he was at Howard. So that was like, no, no, number one. When I got to Howard, I found out he was cheating on me. And I was like, oh, it was very triggering because I'm already in a space where I'm owning who I am. So I went from like A to Z quick. I said, okay, I'm not doing college guys. They're cheaters. So me meeting a guy that had his own because he didn't just tell me that he was in the streets like he told me he worked for metro and he had a nice car and he seemed like he was established and i was like okay cool so when i met that guy he made it made me feel like my grinds my hard work me going to college was just like everything so it was a boost of like self-esteem, a boost of confidence. I just felt really, really good about the hustle that I was on. He wasn't a reminder of like, slow down, you're in college, focus on school. No, it was like, get to it. You know, mm. he's in the street. He's getting to it. So for me, it was like, get to it too. Work at Mac, do, do this, do hair, go to school. So what happened was money became my priority at a very young age mm-hmm. before and that has trickled through my life until recently. Yeah, because you know what? I, we we got to take a break. But but this is interesting because, and you said it before, I got a chance to say it. What I was going to say to you was that in addition to his grind sort of mirroring, mirroring yours, is that money became a way of f- for validation. Money became yeah. how it is 
you were able to substantiate yourself in spite of all the negative things whoever said about you. Because the yeah. one thing that equalizes people in this society is money. And we got to take this break, but I'm interested in knowing what happens to a relationship that's sort of built on that. And then I'm more interested in knowing, we can talk about both of these things, where are you now with that? Yeah. Because here's the dynamic. You go through part of your life feeling a certain way, right? And yeah. you go through another part of your life struggling to sort of be taken seriously and not be ground up by the economics of the world that you were born into. And now yeah. you have to become a woman and now yeah. you have to find somebody to love. And now you have to find somebody who can love you. And yes. that's the story that we're into tonight. So when we come back, right let's talk about, I want to hear what happened with all of these college scenarios, like, because people need to know what happens when you base a relationship on traumas in your past and not needs in your present. You hear what I'm saying to y'all? Listen, we're yes. going to do it right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to my sister, Natalie Nicole. <laughs> so we're back. <laughs> yes, we are. So, so Miss Natalie, um, we were talking about the relationships that you had in college generally, no specific one, but just generally, and how you were attracted to, to a certain type, right? The sort of hustler, drug dealer type. And we, we did a little work on understanding why that was the case. How did most of those relationships end? Did they turn out good? Horrible. I know I'm God's like special child. I just know it because there were so many things that went on in this sequel of life that I had no business being here right now. Just mm. the stuff that I witnessed and just like this is it just life was happening in front of my eyes. And my mom and dad did not raise me like this, you know? So there was a lot of moving parts. I mean, there was a time where I had to go to prison for, for six weeks every weekend because of something crazy. And I was just like, it, my life was going into this moment where I was like, this is not who you are, Natalie. And the foundational work of what my mom and dad did to build my confidence, to root me in faith, right? It starts to unveil. So this awakening starts to happen, but it just, it didn't give me a complete transformation, but it will save my life and I'll reel myself back in like over and over again. Mm -hmm. So then it came to my adult life where when I graduated from college, where I'm still in this whirlwind of like dating, just, you know, an entrepreneur or someone that might not be the best fit for me. And what happened at this moment because I always was making money. That was the thing. I always had my own money. I was always working, was making six figures at a very young age. And my financial trauma still has was not healed. I still was not spending money right. I still, I did, now I'm in the, I'm doing bottle service. I'm working in the club at every nightclub in DC, the strip club, the nightclub. Like I'm literally like chasing money still. I'm chasing money. I opened up my salon at 22 years old. Like nothing was enough for me. Nothing was ever enough for me. And at that moment I said, okay, you like, you're, you're a little deep now. So right around the age of 27 years old, I had this aha moment. I was in my salon. I was just really sad. I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what really mental health, because that's something that wasn't really discussed much around me. But I was like, something is not right. Like any moment what happened, I would make money and it would just would not be enough. Okay, but hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's name it. What was not right? The, it was the, the, it was like this, ceiling, this glass ceiling that was never, like I could never reach it. Like even if I had an accomplishment, I graduated from Howard University. That supposed to be a big deal that I went to Aveda Institute, got my aesthetics license. It wasn't enough. Opened my first salon at 22 years old, made six figures the first year, made six figures the second year, made six figures the third year. It wasn't enough. Nothing was ever enough. And I was just like no, confused. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Cause you're doing good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not browbeating. No, but but let's name it. What was not right? Cause I I, I have a sense of what it was. I, I yeah, just well, want to see if you have a sense of it. So 
I don't know if I have the right word, but I discovered it after the fact. Okay. Like my fulfillment and my purpose was too attached to money. And it wasn't a purpose that God gave me honestly. Okay, like, perfect. I stop, 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 stop. Because that's perfect. Absolutely. Because what, what I was thinking when you was talking was this. You weren't grounded. You weren't centered. I was not saying no, no, no. You, you, you just yeah. not, not the woman you are right now, but the no. woman you're telling me about, she was superficial. She was shallow. No. She was moved by all the wrong things and attracted to all the wrong people for all the wrong reasons, because she had no sense of her weight, her health and her, her heft and her groundedness. And I wanna connect that back to how we started this conversation. Yes. It's hard to be grounded and to have some great sense of your roots when you spend the first part of your life defending who you are. You had to defend who you, you had to defend those eyes. You had to defend that smile. You had to yes. defend your complexion. And so it becomes difficult to know, to celebrate, know who you are and be able to stand on who you are when who you are is being attacked all the time. So my point is this, so stop for a second, stop for a second. Because how much, how much forgiveness have you given yourself for that? So the past two years has been like a really interesting place for me. A lot of self-awareness, a lot of, I wasn't grounded. Like there's a whole nother part of the story <laughs> that like it, I, I just got to a point, to the point where when I got robbed at gunpoint and my life was almost taken from me two years ago, the bulb just clicked for me two years ago. And that was a whole nother dig out of like dealing with myself and understanding who I am as a woman and who God has called me to be without the material things, without anything, my core of who I am, I finally love myself. And I realized I could not love anybody properly, anybody, not my family members, not a man. I could not love, cause you can love your parents, but love your parents. Like God tells us to love our parents, honor your parents. You can't do that until you love yourself. So that was the, the layers that got built in the past mm. couple of years. I'm still in the work phase. I'm still working, but I'm way more aware now. Like I'm so, sometimes it scares me how grounded I, how grounded and self-aware I'm becoming right now because I get sensitive to things that trigger who I was. Mm. So now I, I'm not going back to that girl. Like there's nothing, you can give me $50 million right now to go back to a place that I, I graduated from and I wouldn't go there because I know that God's grace is so sufficient and he's going to give me the desires of my heart. I don't have to, I don't have to be complacent. I don't have to um, compare myself to anybody else and I don't have to compromise. So that's where I am right now in my mm. own life, loving Natalie and understanding how Natalie feels and staying in that moment. So even hearing how you're speaking to me, I love it because I've been getting this recently, like in the yeah. past two years, it's never gonna stop. And I feel like a lot of people, especially because of social media is like, they're scared to hear the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. And the truth will save your life. Yeah. And there's not, a, there's not a level of life, no matter how much money you have or where you are, you should always want to hear the truth so you can be able to adjust and adapt so you can be going go into a positive direction. You know, so Natalie, let, let me ask you this. Um, what have you said to the woman you used to be? Man, I say so much to her. I say stuff to her all the time because, you know, the enemy will try to come back and double back on things that you're that you might you might have been vulnerable in or weakened. Right. So I tell myself every day will tell myself every day I'm worthy, I'm confident and all my dreams and my goals are working out. I don't have to worry. Right. The woman who I was, I say, like, man, like you did what you thought was right. But now that you know better, you have to always do better. Because your goal, Natalie, is to live a life that God is proud of. Like, I don't want to miss my mark. And thank the Lord he gave me some grace because I would hate to leave this earth back then, <laughs> you know, with my priorities messed up. So that's what I would tell myself, you know, over and over again, just so I can continue to know where I'm going and be okay with that moment. Can I, can I, I hold, hold on one sec. Can I give you some advice? Because I think you should probably have... 
a more compassionate conversation with her. I probably um, should. Yeah, no, you definitely should. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you're, you're on, on the one hand, you're saying you did the best you could, and then you jump right to, but you need to do better, and you need to, uh, you, you, you need to go back to 11-year-old Natalie, not the one in college, yeah. not the one in high school, that 11-year-old, and to have a much more compassionate conversation with her because, yeah. you, because, because you owe her you listen to me you owe her a thank you yes you owe her that because she put up with all the things that you couldn't deal with in your adult life she right. put up with it i never thought about that yeah tell me what you're feeling because your face changed what's going on i guess i thought about it i was like i never you know, you tell people say they do self-talks and all that stuff, but I never really thought about that because when you're young, you really can't control things because you're not an adult. You can't make your own moves. And I believe my parents did their very, very best, but there were things that I was going through that I didn't talk to my parents about because I was a little girl and I would just deal with it. Mm -hmm. So I do owe her, an, you know, that type of uh, compassion, right? Yeah. Because I think that's where I can fix. I'm very hard on myself, as you can see. I'm very hard on myself. Like, I'm like, always telling yeah. myself. And, and hold on, hold on, hold on. Not, not only are you hard on yourself, you're driven, you're ambitious. Um, and, and you, I'm surprised you're not from New York because you, you, you have that pace to you that I'm used to from people from New York. Oh, wow. And, and, and my biggest advice to you is to emotionally slow down. Slow down. Yes. You're going way too fast. You're trying to live your whole life in two weeks. Slow down. Slow down, Natalie. Because if you slow down long enough, you will learn some things about yourself that will shock and amaze you. That 11-year-old Natalie is the one who is really the superstar. Like this one that people love on social media, like the social media, like the one people, because you're beautiful and you're smart and all of that, absolutely. But you're not the superstar. It's the 11 year old Natalie that has impressed me tonight. You, you, get, you get what I'm saying? Right. And I'm saying to you that you need to talk to her more. You need to create a new relationship with her where you understand how amazing she was. Right. What are you I thinking? Think I never thought about it like that, but I will say this. Um, I speak about myself and my past a lot. Mm. I think that was a part of my healing, but as far as the compassion behind it, I don't think I've been compassionate about it because mm. I think a lot of times people base their foundation on what they didn't have or, and that holds them back in life a lot. That's mm -hmm. usually their excuse on why they haven't accomplished certain things. So I've given myself a lot of grace um, throughout my years in life mm -hmm. and I'm proud of myself for even healing from that. Yeah. But I do believe that going back and consistently giving myself grace and speaking life and really understanding who I am at the core because survival, you don't have to always be in survival mode. That's where I'm at right now. Like, you don't even, I don't have to be in survival mode right now. But like you said, I do move very fast and I try to get things done. And I would, I probably need to go back and like talk to her and have a conversation with her and always have her in the back of my mind because I wouldn't want my daughter one day to feel like she can't have a conversation with me or and love herself regardless of what anybody else says to her. Yeah, listen, listen, I gotta let you go, but I hope tonight, if nothing else happened, that you have received an, an invitation to have a rediscovery of that part of yourself and to have a different conversation with that part of your life. Because I submit to you that everything that happened after is because of what happened to her. And in as much as she is the place and the source for the difficulty, she is also the place and the source for the strength because right. she is where your strength comes from. And I just think that it's, it's important that no matter what decision you make next, hear me when I say this, whatever decision you make next, 
whatever, whoever you decide to date or job you decide to take, ask yourself this question. Is it worthy of a leavenly-old Natalie? Am I honoring her with this decision? Is bringing this person in my life going to honor what she took for me? That's your new North Star. And if it will honor her, then it will honor you. Okay? I love that. Thank you so much. No, it's my pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. Listen, you keep going, okay? And I, and I, ha I have a sneaky suspicion that you're going to win. I have a sneaky suspicion that you're going to end up, yeah, you're going to end up where you want to be. But ironically, only if you slow down. <laughs> That's good. This is good tonight. <laughs> All right, my Thank sister. So yeah, no, Thank blessings you. to you. I wish you well. Go forward and be amazing. All right? Blessings. Yes, Thank yes. You. Listen, everybody, when we come back, I learned some things from Natalie that I want to share with you. We're going to have an aha moment right after this. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So let's do an aha moment. You know, the conversations that I get to have on this show are often amazing. And I get to talk to a wide range and variety of people. I've had every kind of person you could possibly imagine on this show. And one thing remains consistent through them all. Like through every conversation that I've had, there's been one consistent thing that remains true. We all have a past. And if we don't deal with it, talk about it, reconcile ourselves to it, accept the fact that the past could not be any different, it will turn us into a version of ourselves that we're not proud of. In fact, it will turn you into an echo and deny you of the privilege of making an original sound, which is what you were born to do. And what I learned from this conversation tonight is that you can be beautiful and accomplished and articulate and eloquent and smart and gifted and have all of this and that and all of that and still have a part of who you are that you're not reconciled to. And reckon, being reconciled doesn't mean that you're incongruent with, it means in this case tonight, that you don't show sufficient compassion to. You see, if you've been through something in your life, you struggled with something at a certain stage of your life, and you're still alive, you owe it to that part of you that survived, that part of what you had to go through, a thank you. You ought to go back to the worst time in your life, no matter how old you were, 11, 15, 29, 40, however, doesn't matter how old you are, but you need to psychologically and spiritually go back to that time in your life and tell yourself, thank you. Thank you for surviving. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for getting up every day and going forward. When most of the people who are around you now would have given up if they had to deal with that mess, that crap that the younger you had to survive. We're not compassionate enough towards ourselves. Go back to where they broke you. Go back to where they hurt you. Go back to where it fell apart and honor the you that you were. Pay her homage and show him some respect because he is the one that got you here. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper highly. Take a look at this video, because you guys always send me amazing videos, and this video is no different. Let's take a look. Hello, Dr. Sean. My name is Talasia. I am a gospel recording artist out of New Jersey. Um, I also work in corporate America from my nine to five doing my administrative work. And I use that to fund my life, my bills, my side business, and also my music career. So um, with what I do, I always find myself completely overwhelmed, never rested at all, mind always working 10 years ahead. That's an exaggeration, but you get my point. My question is, how do you balance giving 100% to everything? Well, the short answer is, my dear beloved sister, is that you can't. You can't give everything, everything. Human beings aren't built that way. We don't have the capacity or the wherewithal to be 100% devoted to everything at the same time. 
That's an American misnomer. It's a myth. That's why most people never accomplish anything great because we're trying to be committed to everything and devoted to nothing at the same time. The truth is, the short answer is, you're gonna to have to choose. You're gonna to have to make a decision about what's most important to you. What are the things that you must do? And if you don't do them, your life would not be worth the trouble of living at all. What are the things that drive you? So much so, that they give you a sense of who you are and that without those things, you would not be able to recognize yourself. You're gonna to have to make the hard decisions that every great person has to make. And that is deciding between what you love and what you love more. Because choosing between what you love and what you don't like is easy. Choosing between what you love and what you love more, that's where greatness begins. And I'm glad, I'm glad rather that life has brought you here. I'm glad you have to make this decision because you have to form and come into, I think what everybody who's gonna do big things has to come into. That is clarity. See, life has put you in a situation where you now have to be clear. Because the muddled thinking of trying to be all things to all people in all ways, under all conditions, it's not real, it's not true, and it's not for you. When you leave this moment of just ranking and ordering and deciding, you will discover that the clarity you get is the clarity you deserve. So welcome to where the greatness begins. Ironically, it begins with you not being great at everything. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I got some more Ask Dr. Sean for you. Later on, we're going to do some Here's What Doesn't Make Sense right after this. Listen, everybody, you've got some New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store and the takeout and, and, and the delivery and take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. <laughs> Are you looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Then cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how fast and easy and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant quality meal right in your own kitchen. I tried the black bean tacos and they're amazing and I can't cook. Easy to make and it was good in the stomach, my stomach. Look, eating well is at the top of everybody's mind this month. And it's comforting to know that you always get top quality food with HelloFresh. And the ingredients travel directly from the farm to you in less than seven days, so you know that they're fresh. It's the name, HelloFresh, people. So go to hellofresh.com slash bookashawn21 and use the code bookashawn21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. Yes, once again, go to hellofresh.com slash bookashawn21 and use the code bookashawn21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. Yeah, and remember HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And now I know why. All right, let's do some more Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper highly. Let's take a look at this email. Someone emailed me. I've been married to a man for a year who I thought was my soulmate. A woman reached out to me on social media and told me that she has three children with him. I confronted him and he admitted that, he is, that she is telling the truth. He wants us to work things out, but how can I stay in a marriage built on lies? <laughs> okay, you want, the, you want the hard answer or the easy answer? Because, okay, the same answer in either case is you cannot stay in a marriage built on lies. You can't. You can try. You can try to convince yourself ultimately that two of you can get over this and you can go to counseling, but you will always know that you're married to someone who was willing to hide his children. 
that you're married to someone who was willing to lie about having children with, with at least, as I've read it correctly, three other women and decided that that information was not of import or necessity for you. That married you and did not disclose a very important part of his own personal history. That's one thing if somebody, you know, dated three people, but this guy has children and he was willing to hide his own children. What do you think he's gonna do about the children you two have? Because people don't just change because they get married. That's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. People think that once somebody puts a ring on somebody else's finger, that the person becomes a whole new person. Like a ring has magical powers. Like a wedding has supernatural ability to turn men into husbands and women into wives. You gotta be a wife before the wedding. You gotta be a husband before you get a ring. And this guy isn't even much of a man. Because a man who will deny his children, fathers who forsake their children, make their love restless and heap scorn upon the works of their hands. This guy has decided to deny his children. I don't know what's going to happen with your marriage, I, but here's what I do know. I know you need to reevaluate what it is you're willing to put up with. Because it's one thing to not know something and then sort of live with a placid sort of naivete. But it's another thing to come into the truth. Because once you know the truth, now you are forced to respond to it. And if you get up tomorrow and act like nothing happened, like he didn't not tell you about these other women and he did not tell you about these children and it took somebody else to tell you the truth. If you get up tomorrow and act like that didn't happen, then you're not a victim, you're a volunteer. You raised your hand and said, come on, let's have some horrible years together. Listen, can things change? Anything is possible but you might really want to consider the fact that you really married someone you don't know. So get counseling. <laughs> At the very least, go see somebody, okay? Because this is way too deep for the two of you to figure it out over a candlelight dinner. Going to Maui or taking some trip somewhere ain't go fix this. When somebody lies to you, when they didn't have to lie, it would tell me everything I needed to know. As for me in my house, I would be somewhere else. No, because if you can lie about your kids, then you definitely can lie about cheating. All right, somebody sent me a video. Let's watch this real quick. Go ahead, play the video. Hi, Dr. Sean, I'm Darius, and I would really love your advice. So someone I'm interested in at work recently asked me out on a date, and I'm wondering, do you think that it would be a bad idea for me to accept the invitation? Okay, here's my, here's my quick answer. Um, think worst case scenarios before you do this. Don't think about what will happen if it goes well. Think about what would happen if it goes horribly wrong, because, if this doesn't work out and the two of you end up breaking up and it's a terrible breakup, but you still have to be married to this person, not married, you still have to be working rather with the, I got the last video stuck in my head. <laughs> if you still have to work with this person, that's gonna be a difficult thing to have to deal with. And that's why it may not be a good idea to, to date someone that you're working with because when it goes wrong, it could go really wrong. You follow what I'm saying? So be sure that you can handle the worst case scenario before you get yourself into something that the rest of you wished you had never gotten into. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta pull back and create a safe space for yourself to be able to exist and work and pay your bills and your rent and put some food on your table that does not involve you know, what you do with certain other parts of your body. There's a saying that you shouldn't bleep where you eat. You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? And this might be one of those times, okay? I don't care how fine they are. Fine people mess up. 
Beautiful people can be crazy. Sexy, gorgeous, handsome, wonderful, tall, dark, handsome, beautiful, voluptuous people can also do dumb things and make you not want to date them anymore. Think about that, okay? You're welcome. We'll be back with, with some here, but doesn't make sense after this. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We like to do a little something called Here's What Doesn't Make Sense. So over the weekend, most of us saw that Congressman Kevin McCarthy was finally elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. We have a video to prove it. Let's take a look at it. You know, my father always told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And now we need to finish strong for the American people. <laughs> anyway, Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy's been trying to, I can't even get it out. He's been trying to be Speaker of the House his entire life, at least most of his professional career. And it took, um, to his chagrin, I'm sure, 15 votes. Never before in the history of this country has it taken, taken 15 votes for a speaker to be chosen by a party. And never before did one speaker have to agree to so many self-deprecating and self-insulting and self-inflicting negotiations to get there, but Kevin was willing to do it. And I have to tell you that the entire process was must-see TV. I mean, it was amazing. Look at the photos, you know. We never get to see this kind of stuff. It had everything. It had Republicans yelling at each other, Republicans pointing fingers at each other. One Republican had to get pulled away from another Republican, and other Republicans were ignoring Donald Trump's phone calls, and, and George Santos didn't realize that his name was being called because his name is probably not George Santos. <laughs> oh, God. And even it had Republicans lying to each other saying they were going to vote, vote a certain way and not voting the way that they said. Finally, Kevin McCarthy got the votes 15 rounds in. And um, can you imagine what it must feel like to wake up in the morning and realize that you sold your soul for a title? Kevin McCarthy is going to be the weakest speaker in the history of the Ameri American politics, rather, and all he's really getting is a title because all the power that comes from being speaker, he's negotiated away. Kevin McCarthy is willing to embarrass himself for a title just to have people say, Mr. Speaker. You know, the Bible doesn't say, I'll make your title great. It says, I'll make your name great. And one of the things I can't stand I can't stand people who try to do things with their title that they can't do with their name. Kevin McCarthy wants to have a title because his name is not sufficient. His name won't open doors. His name does not conjure respect. His name does not make people want to line up with him. And you know how I know? It took him 15 votes to become speaker because if his name was great, it would have happened the first time around. Watch people who try to throw their title at you because what they're really hiding from happens to be the weakness of their name. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Delta Airlines. I've been waiting for this one, Juan. Delta Airlines has announced that they will be providing free Wi-Fi on most of its planes beginning February 1st. Everybody should be clapping right now. Delta CEO Ed Bastian I think that's how you say his name, said that the Wi-Fi is going to be free and fast and available to everyone. Shout out to Delta Airlines and shame on the rest of those airlines that are making people pay for something that you can get for free in Starbucks. Why should I have to pay for Wi-Fi on an airplane when I can get it for free on the ground in a coffee shop? See, 
That's the part of the story that doesn't make sense. I'm okay with having to pay for a movie, and I'm okay with having to pay for a sandwich, maybe. But I'm not paying for Wi-Fi. When I can go into a store or a car dealership or Walmart and get, wa- and get Wi-Fi for free. I went to the car dealership not too long ago, and they had free Wi-Fi. While you're sitting in there waiting for your car, guess what? Free Wi-Fi. You can surf, look at your videos, Netflix, whatever you want to watch. You can watch the book of Sean. I'm just saying. But when the moment you get on a plane, all of a sudden Wi-Fi becomes, you know, you got to pay for it. How is it free on the ground and it's expensive in the air? How is something that I can get for free down here cost me something up there? It ain't right, people. And you would think after a summer and a winter, by the way, Christmas season of canceling flights, high prices, leaving people stranded, losing people's luggage, you would think that after all that, all the airlines would have gotten together and said, you know what, free Wi-Fi. But only Delta has decided to do the right thing. The rest of those airlines, poo-poo on all the rest of you. Yes, you heard me. American, United, go down the list. Southwest, especially Southwest. After all the hell that y'all just been through, y'all should be giving people free Wi-Fi. I'm just we need to rise up and fight for the free Wi-Fi, people. Because the internet doesn't belong to these airlines. It belongs to the United States government, which means the people own it. These companies pay the least access to it. See, here's the thing I don't get. After I pay $700 for a ticket to get on your airline and fly somewhere, I shouldn't have to pay an additional $25 for Wi-Fi. Wasn't my $700 enough? <laughs> anyway, listen, great show tonight. You know, the power of my, of my show happens to be the guests. And what makes the guests so interesting is that they come with, from many different places. Tonight's guest comes from where all of us come from, the past. Remember to be good and kind to yourself, no matter what you've been through, okay? Because it's the kindness you show yourself that's going to empower you to love other people. I love you. Y'all be good to each other, all right? Kindness rules! Free Wi-Fi! (laughs) 